first time, welcome. Um, this basically is a very simple podcast of me just trying to kind of figure out what's going on in our minds, what's going on with theology, what's going on with our families and kids, and how we can best create Jesus-centered lives. And this is really my place to kind of just test some ideas out uh, and for people to tell me that I'm absolutely crazy. Uh, and if you are returning, welcome back. So glad that you are back with us. And if, if you are back, well then, hey, you don't think I'm as crazy as I think I am. And I am appreciative of that. Um, we are really close to the Christmas uh, season. Uh, in fact, we're just a few days away uh, as I sit here and record this. Um, so families are excited. I'm sure all you guys are excited. Um, and one of the things that uh, keeps coming up in my house is just like I think most Christian households, is Jesus, right? The birth of Jesus, and everybody's got the nativity scene. Uh, I make a big deal out of the fact that the wise men were not there, so I moved into, I've done it at work several times, where I've moved the uh, the wise men to another location uh, just for fun. Uh, but really, Jesus just sort of seems to dominate the conversation, as he should. Um, but what, in my house at least, what that has caused us to do is to start thinking about just other things, uh, it's a good time end of the year to take some stock in kind of where the year has gone. What have we been doing? Was it a good idea? Was the year good? Was it bad? Was it ugly? Uh, have we grown? Have we not? What good memories? What bad memories? You go through all of those things. And one of the things that I have been kind of reflecting on is the kind of thing that I wanted to touch on today because it hit me like a ton of bricks. So full transparency, recently, um, I have sort of come to grips with some of my own shortcomings, um, both as a parent, uh, as a leader in the workplace, uh, as um, as a husband, just a lot of ways. And I'm not going to go into you know obnoxiously long details because honestly, you probably don't care, and that's okay. But um, I have really just started to understand, like when I was a kid, uh, I didn't know what I wanted to do. At least I didn't think I knew. Uh, and if I did know it was something that was dumb and I was never really going to do it anyway, like I wanted to be a professional football player. Uh, if you know me and you've seen me, that is not at all, even in the realm of possibility. So not a thing. But um, I also kind of wanted to be a writer, um, but I was kind of told that that really wasn't a viable option. It's a good hobby. It's something you don't really want to pursue as a full-time career. And I think when I was a kid, that probably was somewhat true because the, the you know, the space was kind of limited. Uh, there was no intraweb uh, that we now so are familiar with where I can do this. Uh, I can publish blogs. I can write books. I can do anything that I want and no one can tell me otherwise. Um, and so uh, the writing world is obviously much different. But I really didn't know what I wanted to do. And I've spent time in restaurants. I spent time in sales. I spent you know time as a teacher. I've spent, I've done it all. And in all of that, it's taken me until my mid-40s to really understand that I am a writer. Um, and I really didn't understand that, I think, until recently of how that plays into my faith and what God has intended for me. So let me let me back it up. So I've always kind of understood, like, okay, we're you know we're saved and we get to give jobs. Like God gives us giftings, and I've done all the spiritual gift assessments. I've done all those things where, like, okay, what are you good at, and what do you want to do, and how do you want to serve the church, and should you be in children's ministry? Should you be? And that's really sort of how I discovered that I like teaching. I did that for an actual job for quite a while, uh, and loved it. I think I'm pretty good at it. Um, 
And, and that gave me the opportunity to preach and that gave me the opportunity to do a bunch of other things, which is phenomenal. That's not what I'm talking about. Um, what I'm talking about is the things that God has set forth for us. And my, I think one of my biggest fears as a parent is that my kids won't really understand God's call on their life. Now, I spent a lot of time in high schools. I taught in high school. So I've seen a lot of graduations. And in the Christian school world, everything in graduations is centered around Jeremiah 29, 11. You know, I have plans for you, said the Lord, plans to prosper you and to give you a future and all of those things, right? The whole graduation thing is centered on God saying, I have plans for you. Never mind the fact that that verse was intended for Israel and not at all for us and just speaks to the nature that of the fact that God had a plan for Israel. Now, there's some translation there, but we won't get into that. But anyway, so we know that God has a plan for us. We know that God has things that he wants us to do. And my biggest fear as a parent, one of my biggest fears as a parent, is that my kids won't really realize that. I was just having a conversation with my oldest last night. And she was kind of like, I don't know what I want to do in my life. I'm like, you're 15. Who cares? Seriously, you're 15. You don't need to know. I didn't know when I was 15. I'm 47. I still don't really know. And that's okay. <laughs> so, like, don't worry about it. I don't know. I want to do this. I want to do that. I'm like, I probably wasn't very empathetic. I'm like, who cares? It's fine. Don't worry about it. But I don't want to also push my kids too hard into something that they don't really want to do or really love. So here's what I kind of, here's the conclusion I came to, and here's what I wanted to, because I think, I think, sorry, I'm all over the place. I think as parents, we have this thing in our minds. We want our kids to live a better life than we do. We want our kids to be more successful. Let's face it, because some of us, we need our kids to support us when we're old and too stupid to know what's going on, right? We change their diapers. Someday they're going to change ours. Let's just face it. And I can't wait for that day. <laughs> but now, for those of you that didn't just tune out, let's move on. Um, so there's that part of us as parents that, that we want our kids to do better. Like we want our kids to have a better life. Like that's just the generational thing that happens, I think, in every generation. And But the more I think about it, the more I would rather have my kids fully understand something critical about their salvation. You ready? Here we go. You are not saved to something. You're saved for something. That our salvation is not to get to heaven or to have a better life or get to another place and have some disembodied existence beyond earth. Now, while I'm certainly not denying the existence of heaven, obviously heaven. Now, don't get me started. Maybe I'll do that in another, another episode where I'll kind of walk you through uh, heaven and earth and God's intention and where we're going to end up and how it's all going to work um, based on um, some pretty sound theology. But that's, I digress. 
But just think this through, okay? If you if you read through Romans, especially if you read through Romans 8, then you really start to understand that what Paul is telling us is that we are not saved to something. We're not saved so that we can escape this world and get to another world, right? Get to from earth to get to heaven. Like, hey, I just got to suffer here long enough and do whatever I have to do to get by and hopefully be as good of a Jesus person as I can so that I can get to heaven. No, we're saved for something. God has given us this place. He has given us this earth. He has given us this existence, and he has given us the people around us to impact. We have a job. And I'm not talking about spiritual gifts. Those are great. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is the idea that we have a job to do here on earth. And one of the best things that we can do, that we can teach our kids while we try to help them understand like, hey, what's a vocation you might want to do? What's something that you can do? Is to teach them based on what they want to do, how they can be a light in that space. I once, I won't name names, but I once did a, uh, helped out with a ministry, did one very, very large conference. And one part of the conference was all about going into professional Christian ministry. And that always bothered me. It always bothered me because that's not what it's about. It's not about being a professional Christian minister, right? I, I do less ministry as a pastor or as a ministry worker in a nonprofit ministry than I do in my neighborhood with my neighbors. Or I did when I worked in the secular world or just the regular world. I did a lot more ministry there than I probably do in the ministry space. J.D. Greer once wrote, when I became a pastor, I left full-time ministry. And I love that. That that's really how we want our kids to see it. So it's not about our kids going into full-time ministry because if they're believing in Jesus, then they are in full-time ministry, no matter what they're doing. And honestly, I would argue no matter their age, because what our kids are doing, the lives that they're living, no matter how old they are, if they understand Jesus, then they can talk about him and they can understand what it looks like to be the light in Jesus's world. So here's what I mean. Okay. Um, I talk a lot about my four E's of what it means to be a Jesus in our home. Um, and they're kind of, um, all over the place and I've been kind of crafting them. I'm actually going to make sure I don't mess this up because I do this a lot where I mess something up and I don't know what the heck I'm talking about. So let me just open up something here real quick. Bear with me here a moment. So if you want to have an awesome Jesus-centered life, you can actually go to my website, stephenmkozak.com. You can find all of this on here under the Discipleship Project tab. Um, but I talk about four E's and first one is elevating your expectations, right? Raising the bar, setting a new expectation for your, your yourself, your family, um, and be the people that God has called us to, right? So just really just having the attitude of like, Hey, I'm going to, I want to be this kind of person. Okay. So it starts there first seek the kingdom, right? Then equipped with a biblical worldview. Okay. This is where Peter kind of reminded us to always be prepared to give an answer, right? Um, and 
be able to explain why our faith matters, why we should share it, know why you believe what you believe. Okay, it's that simple. Okay, uh, and I actually offer some online classes and some sermons and some things that you can kind of pursue and take a look at that. But and then engage your circle of influence. Okay, engage people. Okay, um, when I coach football, I had this whole drill I did where the receivers put their hands out, and as as, as you can kind of imagine, like your wingspan, right, is your wingspan from top to bottom, head to toe, side to side, all over. I called that your sphere of influence. Right. So in other words, as long as a quarterback's throwing it within your sphere of influence, you should probably catch the ball. God has given us a sphere of influence or a circle of influence. Um, he has uniquely placed your kids in your family, your church, um, you know, their their friends, uh, as they get older, their jobs, neighborhood, all of that, to make an impact. I mean, think about that. Like when when your kids make a friend. That could very well be a divine appointment to be a moment of impact that God has ordained for your child in that space, in that time. Question is, is do we see it? And do we expect it? And do we look for it when it's potentially there? How do we leverage our place in life for God's missional mandate? Right? To go and make disciples. How do we leverage that? How do you teach your kids to leverage that? How do you take on your 21st century darkness and be the light? Um, and so one of the ways we do this as our family is, you know, if, if, you, if you've listened before, you know, we are a racing family. Um, my son, he's eight. He races. He'll be nine soon. Um, and that sounds weird to say, but he's, he's a race car driver. Uh, he's crazy. Uh, and he loves it. Um, but what it does, more than just him getting in a car and driving and us cheering him on and me working on his car and being his handler and his crew chief and everything else. It's an opportunity that every time we go to the track, every time we engage with a supplier, with a vendor, uh, a sponsor, uh, another family, um, when we encounter a problem, um, when a kid gets hurt, when anything, we have an opportunity to be Jesus in that moment. So while I'm teaching him to drive and, and to understand what racing means and how that works, I'm also teaching him how to be Jesus, right? How to get mad without sinning, how to confront, how to drive clean, but try to win. All of the aspects that come with being Jesus in that moment and we've actually had people look at us like, why on earth would you at all want to be in that kind of environment? <gasps> people swear. They, they drink. They smoke. Um, I, some of the things I've witnessed, whoo, whoo, I could tell you some stories. Uh, it's crazy. And people have looked at us like, you're good Christian people. What's wrong with you? Why on earth would you do that? Why would you put yourself in that situation? Well, I'll tell you why. Because this is what Jesus did. He went to the darkness. Because even the tiniest bit of light in the darkness shines. And how dumb are we to be the people with all this light to just be around more light? Whoop-de-freaking-do. Who cares? It's like, think about it. If you have a well-lit room, why would you bring a lamp and add more light to it? 
That doesn't make any sense. But even the tiniest, most insignificant amount of light in utter darkness shines. Guys, that's our kids. I don't care if they know it all or not. If they've got a hint, a whiff, a notion, an idea of Jesus, and you as a parent right behind them to say, hey, is this how we're going to do this? Heck yeah, let's do it. Let's get in there and let's do it. So the challenge today is, is very simple. I want you to think about it as, as you get into the holiday season, uh, as you approach the new year, um, you're going to have some opportunities. You're going to have some times where you're going to have family members and other people that maybe aren't believers. Uh, what an opportunity that can be, especially with family, because it's so tricky. Ooh. Um, shameless plug. I do have a book called um, uh, Truth Is uh, that will help you with some of those conversations. Uh, you can find that on Amazon. Um, so you have this time. Let's use it, okay? So let's figure out how to use this time together. So here's what you're going to do, okay? You're going to figure out where darkness is in your in your sphere. Where is there darkness? Now, don't send your kids by themselves. Eh, maybe it's public school, and that's dark enough. That, that very well could be, <laughs> and that may be where you send them. But beyond that, find that where there's darkness. Talk about it together and give them purpose in that. Don't just expect them to do it. You have to teach them to do it. You have to talk about it. It has to be part of the conversation. You can't just expect that suddenly your kids are going to be like, oh, how is Jesus today? And they might be, but it's probably not intentional. It's probably by accident. You need to teach them how to be intentional. Talk about together. Where What are your spheres? What are your sphere of influence? Where does God have you? And look at each place you are in life as a divine appointment that God has put you there for a reason. The city, the town, the house, the neighborhood, the job, the friends, church, the whole thing. And just because it's church, don't assume it's a bunch of light. It may not be. Then talk about how you can be intentional in those spaces. And then make it a habit every night at dinner to talk about how you're doing. Did you have any moments today? Did you have an opportunity today? You're not always going to. But the more you hear about it, the more you share stories, the more you uh, look for how God is working, oh, I'm telling you, the more you're going to see it. Dude, it is nuts how much you start to see God working when you start thinking about it, talking about it, and praying about it. It's crazy. So it's that simple, okay? And then when you get around to the new year after the holidays, you have a little more time to think. Start thinking about how you can do that more in 2024. What is that going to look like? How are you as a family and you as parents, how are you guys going to set that standard and do that thing that you need to do um, to really go after it? And then as you do that, um, just remember the fourth E that I did not mention is embodying the truth as parents, right? Peter told, just, told us to live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God in the day he visits us can't teach what you don't live okay you just can't your kids will see right through it so you have to embody the truth of the gospel in your life and honestly your kids will catch more than you teach trust me 
Uh, and if you've ever seen your kids catch your bad habits, because you, we've all been there, you're like, oh man, that's terrible. Um, then yeah, you'll, you'll see it and it'll happen. Okay. So that's, that's it. That's simple. Okay. Is remember, okay. I, I want to make sure we, we've got this. Okay. That we are not saved to something. We are saved for something and we are saved to be the light that God has asked us to be, to go and make disciples, to be um, exactly where he has put us, to grow where he has put us, and to make a difference where he has put us. And that, honestly, guys, includes our kids. As a family, you guys can make that happen. And I'm telling you, when you do that, then talking about making Jesus at the center, because now Jesus becomes a part of the conversation constantly, constantly. And when you make Jesus part of the conversation all the time, you'd be surprised at how many things start to change because Jesus is at the center. As always, thanks, guys, for for listening. Thanks for entertaining me. Thanks for dealing with my crazy nonsense. Um, But uh, I would encourage you to check out uh, stephenmkozak.com. You could also, um, just recently, we've also started a Pathios blog uh, on Pathios called um, um, The Jesus-Centered Family. Uh, Becoming, uh, I'm going to get it wrong. Hold on, let me look. Becoming a Jesus-Centered Family. Um, And you can uh, check us out there. You can also check us out on Substack. Uh, and all those places, um, and any way in which you can support, especially on Substack for a measly five bucks a month, supports all of this effort because everything that we give out, everything that we do, whether it's the blogs, whether it's podcasts, resources, books, we try to make everything as free as we can because honestly, we don't need to pay for one more thing. And there's some people that just can't. Uh, and so if you can, uh, and you can be a part of the community, uh, a simple five bucks a month on Substack is tremendously appreciated helps us keep this going, helps us justify the time and the energy and all the other expenses that go into it. Um, So until next time, thank you guys so much for joining. We will talk to you very soon.